A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. There's only one game to go of KFC BBL 12 after the Brisbane Heat shocked and stunned and upset the Sydney Sixers at the SCG by four wickets in the Challenger final. In fact, they got there with 10 balls to spare. Um, Coming up on this episode, we're going to recap that match. We're also going to look ahead to the final between the Heat and the Scorchers. And we've also got a chat with Scorchers spinner Peter Hatsoglu. So stick around if you want to hear a bit from Peter. But for now, it's going to be myself, Josh Honefinger, joined by Jack Painter, who's just arrived in Perth for the final. Jack, welcome to this edition of the podcast. And what went wrong for the Sixers last night? Thank you, Josh. Uh, I'm not sure um, what went wrong. I think just a bit of bad batting and on a low, low scoring uh, wicket, it brought the heat back into the game. So uh, they were outplayed, I think, in the conditions. Um, but... I think they'll be uh, licking their wounds, I guess, because that's probably a game that they should have won against the side. Very undermanned. They've lost four players across the space of a week. So, uh, yeah, the Sixers will be kicking themselves because they should have got the the job done there and they should be facing the first scorchers. But we've got the heat and, as you know, in finals, anything can happen. So, scorchers are raging hot favourites tomorrow night. But as the heat proved last night, who knows, they could get the job done again. Yeah, well, that's right. I'm sure with uh, the outs of the likes of Wisdom and Kawaja, Minus Labashane and Matt Renshaw, the Heat were hoping it was going to be a low scorer because a high-scoring match may have got out of hand for them. The Sixers finished their 20 overs on nine for 116, three wickets each to the Unplayable Podcast's favourite, Spencer Johnson and spinner Matthew Kuhneman. They were both fantastic. And then the Heat, well, they were struggling, weren't they? Five for 56 at the halfway mark and not quite looking... Like it was going to be an easy victory, but Michael Nisa, who has had a sensational BBL 12, his best, I think it would be fair to say, he got 48 not out of 32 balls. And my favourite stat from the night, he hit seven fours, and that was as many as the entire Sydney Sixers side. So um, what did you take away from that heat innings? Do they have enough firepower to match the Scorchers, Jack? A lot of it is going to rest on... I think Josh Brown to get them off to a good start. Uh, but it will be a better batting wicket over here in Perth. Um, and then they're, they're missing a lot of experience to the middle, aren't they? But we've seen it before. Nathan McSweeney has scored runs in this tournament. Uh, Sam Heaslett's done it before in BBL finals. Jimmy Pearson's a class operator. So they've got enough enough talent there. But this uh, Scorchers side is... Uh, pretty hard one to beat especially here in Perth but uh, yeah I think a shout out to, to Michael Nisa he's a, he's a genuine all-rounder now and uh, but no disputing that at all and that was a, a class innings last night especially with um, the courage to take the, the power surge when he did because we've seen it happen throughout the, the previous big bashes in this tournament as well where you take the power surge lose a couple of wickets and suddenly your innings is um, you know cactus so uh, brave call and, and it paid off for him last night. He's just getting better and better, Michael Nisa. A lot of people would have had him pigeonholed as a red ball player, a bit of a specialist in the shield and the T20 
test arena, I suppose. But he's really coming to his own in the white ball stuff as well. And I, yeah, I guess it helps when you can contribute with bat, ball, and in the field. Yeah, specialist with the new ball. Uh, but I think he's really developed his uh, his death bowling uh, this season. I think uh, I was looking at a stat the other day, but he's got the up there with the most wickets in the in the in the death overs. Uh, so he's really improved that facet of his game. And he's probably benefited from regular playing time as well over the previous seasons. He's been away with the test squad coming in and out of the big mm. bash. Whereas this season, although he played that test in, in Adelaide, he's had a, a full run at it with the heat. So that's allowed him continuity, I guess. The same as with Josh Inglis at the Scorchers as well. He's had a great season off the back of just being around the one squad for the whole summer. So the Heat have won three finals in a row after finishing fifth. Can they make it four? They're going to take on the Scorchers in front of a packed house, Jack. And I think we've just got confirmation as we record this that it is officially sold out at Perth Stadium. It's a sellout. There was 2,000 extra tickets that went on sale today and they were snapped up pretty quickly, as you could imagine. Uh, biggest crowd here is 52,960. Uh, that was the first ever BBL game here just after it opened, which was also a final. Scorchers lost that one against the Hurricanes, but it's going to nudge that tomorrow. Uh, could well exceed it, and that would put it in the top five uh, highest Big Bashers crowds of all time. So it's going to be an incredible atmosphere over here at Perth. Yeah, 52,000. That's the number we're looking for. That's got to be in serious danger, surely. So just a reminder, coming up in a few minutes, Peter Hatsoglu chats to Jack Painter ahead of the BBL 12 final. Jack, if we look ahead at that final, uh, obviously the Scorchers lineup is full of superstars. Uh, You wrote today for cricket.com.au about Ashton Turner, who has had another fantastic year. Uh, he was outstanding against the Sixers in their qualifier final, 84 not out, and he's had a terrific year in the middle order. His, his strike rate is 154 for the season. That's good going when you're coming in at number five or six. It's just his experience, isn't it? He knows when to when to sort of uh, soak in the pressure and then when to uh, go on the attack, and uh, you can only get that through playing. He's just a class operator in, in finals, so... He's the key wicket for mine tomorrow for the Heat if they're going to cause another upset because you look at last week, uh, the Scorchers were struggling, three for not many in the power play and he and Bancroft just controlled the match from then on. So, uh, yeah, he's done it against the Sixers. I don't think he's done it against the Heat. He hasn't scored a 50 uh, against against the Brisbane Heat um, and it's the opposition he scored his least amount of runs against in the Big Bash. So he's got a club record mm. uh what did I write it as? Uh, Nineteen hundred and and eighty-five around there, I think for the for the Scorchers. Uh, that's a club record for them. But he's only scored one hundred and ninety-five runs against the Heat, so it's his least successful wow. opposition, uh, which could bode well for the for another upset. Now, I'm not sure if you've had much of an opportunity to look ahead at the predicted lineups. Now, I'm going to guess and say the Heat are probably going to go with that same 11 that won in Sydney. But the Scorchers, I mean, they've got a few maybe selection headaches with their bowling unit perhaps. What do you? How do you think they're going to line up? They've got one spot available, obviously, because Lance Morris has gone to India with the test squad. So uh, either out of Peter Hatsoglu or uh, Matt Kelly, who's recovered from concussion as to who they bring in. My tip is probably Matt Kelly, Uh as much as I'd like Peter to play because we've got him on the podcast after this, uh, I think uh, just the pace here in Perth is their, their real weapon. Uh, Peter hasn't taken a, a wicket here at Optus. He's only played four of the eight games so far. So it's probably more suited to the quicks. 
that being said, if he doesn't play, uh, all they've got is Ashton Turner in in the spinning department. Um, so he hasn't bowled as much as what he has previously in other seasons. Uh, just the nature of the, the way they've been playing. So uh, it could leave them a bit short there, especially if they get hold of the quicks. But uh, I think that Matt Kelly will probably be the best bet to play and come in for Lance Morris. Uh, okay, so so no, uh, Cooper Connolly, I guess, would be perhaps a spin option, but they haven't used him, I guess, in the last few games either, have they? No, no, he hasn't really batted either because um, they've been winning so comfortably. So I imagine he keeps his spot just because uh, they haven't really got much other batting depth, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, the, the heat, on the other hand, I think potentially you could see a change there with Ross Whiteley coming back in. Uh, Max Bryant okay. hasn't scored too many runs this campaign. Uh, that was Sam Heaslett's first game of the tournament last night. So if they wanted to sort of mix it up there, they potentially could because, uh, yeah, the last few games it's been predominantly the test test players have been getting all their runs and, and the other guys haven't really been uh, contributing. Yeah. Uh, so potentially they could want a bit more experience in the in the middle order there. I guess Whiteley gives you that extra bowling option as well. Has he been injured or has he just been not selected? He had a, a thumb injury, I'm pretty sure, and then he wasn't. He was fit last night but wasn't selected. They went for those other three, McSweeney, Hazlett and Bryant, to come in for the, for the test guys. Uh, but, it, yeah, I... I not sure uh, the reasoning behind that. Uh, didn't ask after the game. Probably should have, but uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> I guess we'll see tomorrow. Maybe one one for tomorrow night as to uh, why he was left out because he was there one of their draft picks uh, in the inaugural BBL draft, uh, yeah. but hasn't hasn't really been utilised as much as what I guess they probably would have hoped. Uh, well, someone who also wasn't utilised at the start of the tournament was Cameron Bancroft, uh, Faf Duplessis and Adam Leith are at the top of the order for the Scorchers. But they left and Bancroft came in and he's had probably his best BBL season to date. I just looked at his strike rate this year, which is 141. That's his best BBL strike rate ever. He's had scores of 46, 76 not out, 55 not out, 95 not out and 53 not out. And he has, uh, re- he's been reborn as a T20 opener, Jack. And you wrote about him during the week as well. Yeah, it's just incredible, isn't it? Uh, the way he's turned his strike rate, again, strike rate around in T20s, I guess. Uh, and he just looks so much more assured at the crease. And people don't may not realise that he faced 400-plus four, balls in a Sheffield Shield innings just prior to the Big Bash and then obviously <laughs> missed out for the first half of the campaign. And then he's come in and he's faced less balls in the in the big bash but scored more runs so <laughs> incredible uh difference in in formats and what he's been able to do uh but i was reading today that he's also done a lot of work with justin langer over the past past year to to sort of lift his his batting uh back up to where he wants to be because he's got three sheffield shield hundreds already this season and then obviously uh killing it in this bbl so he's uh, doing a lot of good things cameron bancroft and he'll be another key wicket for them tomorrow because he was uh, crucial in that partnership last week with ashton turner yeah he certainly was and he's, he was also good when the scorchers defeated the heat in one of their matches during the regular season if we look at those two matches the scorchers won both of those matches by seven and eight wickets respectively aaron hardy got a half century in both of those matches do we look too much into that form uh, or is that totally irrelevant now? It's probably uh, probably relevant to a degree. I mean, the Scorchers have been beating everyone comfortably this year, apart from the 
the sixes at the SCG, uh, which is uh, I wrote last night. It's averaged 25 runs less this season in the first innings uh, compared to last season. So it has been a, a very difficult wicket to bat on. Uh, so that was probably the only uh, time where they looked uh, vulnerable. Uh, but at home, they've just been they that one blip to the thunder. But at Perth Stadium, they've just made it a fortress. So the Heat are definitely going to be up against it tomorrow night, that's for sure. Uh, I've got a quick little stat for you that I just dug out that I think you might enjoy. Most runs in the power surge this season. Jimmy Pearson from the Heat is number one with 101 runs, and then number two and number three spots are held by two scorchers, Josh Inglis and Aaron Hardy. And then if we look at the most wickets in the power surge, uh, Michael Neese's top with seven, and AJ Ty is second with six. So all of the best performers in that crucial two-over period are going to be on display tomorrow night, which is so exciting. So you're saying whoever wins the power surge wins the BBL 12 title, is that right? <laughs> well, I wouldn't go as far as saying that, but it would certainly help. Uh, so that's right. The BBL final is on Saturday night, the 4th of February, 4.30 p.m. local time. That's 7.30 Eastern Daylight Time or 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. Jack, we'll jump into your chat with Peter Hatsoglu now. Do you want to throw forward uh, what we can expect from your chat with Peter? Uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting chat. Talks a lot about um, selection, and um, you know, it's obviously been disappointing for him not to play as much as what he has in previous campaigns. And then he also talks about uh, Farwood Ahmed and the influence he's had on his career to date. So uh, enjoyable chats. Uh, hopefully, he gets the nod tomorrow night to play in the final. Uh, but my prediction is Matt Kelly will get that that spot. Good luck to the Heat and the Scorchers in tomorrow night's final. Let's jump into your chat with Peter Hatsoglu. especially that um, atmosphere. I was there last week, 41,000, and they're expecting uh, more. What's it like? Um, obviously, you missed selection last week, but you played against the Renegades. There was a strong crowd there. What's what's it like You know, playing in front of that many people at Optus? And they're all uh, patriotic, you know? Yeah, Optus is such a funny stadium because 
uh, well, well, for one, it's the newest stadium in the country, but it's also the acoustics in it are so phenomenal. So when you're in the middle of it all, it's a really surreal experience where you're like getting the the noise from all angles and it just sort of like traps in the middle. So yeah, the volume is is pretty incredible. Um, and, and yeah, the facilities are great. Um, like where we sort of are in the change rooms and all that. Um, and, and yeah, as for the crowd, the numbers, um, you know, David Payne, I saw he did a bit of media last, last night and he was talking about how it was the biggest, biggest, uh, crowd he's ever played in front of. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a different experience for a lot of the guys, but, um, you know, we're excited and, you know, the big matches are what you play for. So we're keen and hopefully we can go the distance. And what's it been like for you the last few weeks? Obviously, uh, disappointed to miss the selection in the qualifier against the Sixers. Um, has it been frustrating? Because you've still been bowling well. You know, you've got eight wickets for the tournament. Um, you got three for 14 in your um, second last game. So what's it sort of been like this back end of the tournament for you? Yeah, missing out is always pretty grim. Like, I'm hating it, to be honest. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's no hiding from that. But I guess, you know, we're judged on the value we bring to the team and uh, for me, not being in the playing 11 at the minute, the value I can bring is with my energy um, and just being a good person around the group. You know, that means doing an extra bit of media for, um, you know, the radio station that's asking us to do media at, at 5 a.m. or something like that for their breakfast show, then, you know, so be it. Um, I, guess, I guess you just want to be bringing value to the team. And it's, it is difficult to do that when you're not in the playing 11, but. Yeah, I just want to just bring that energy that that I guess I've brought when I have been in the playing eleven and and sort of um, yeah, just keep things positive for the group. And just for the record, for the listeners, it's three pm uh, Peter's time in Perth at the moment, so we haven't got him out of bed at uh, five am. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you been given any indication? Obviously, there's a spot up for grabs with Lance going for going to India with the Test squad uh, for the final this weekend. Have you been given? Any indication about how they're leaning with selection at all? Uh, no, we've we've had a good training session today. Where um, you know we're, we're, we've been in a really fortunate position at the Scorchers, where we've got so much depth um, in our batting and our bowling lineup um, that yeah, there are always multiple people uh, available and, and able to cover for when people go up to the Australian team or wherever else. Um, for me this season, it's been I've sort of played a lot of the home, uh, the away games, and and I've been left out for a lot of the home games. So I don't know. We'll see what happens for the final. I'm I'm sort of my fingers are crossed, but um, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I guess Perth is probably the most seamer friendly place in the world. So I don't know. Maybe me as a spin. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a. You know, not not suited to the conditions as as well as what um, someone else may be. But um, you know, I guess I've always taken confidence away from me being a different type of spinner, a different sort of style of spin bowling. Um, what's traditionally worked in in places is a bit different for me because of my sort of, my sort of different style. So, um, look, I, I don't know. Like either way, um, we're a really tight group. We're 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 really close mates with one another and. And I don't, I don't know, like oh, I'm just preparing as if I'm going to play um, and and we'll see where we go from there. Do you enjoy bowling at Perth though? Because, you know, bounce is, is, is one of your weapons and you, know, you can't extract that from the Perth surface. Is that a place that you enjoy bowling? Yeah. Yeah, it is It is a place I've enjoyed bowling. Um, it, it's a place that's so unique. Um, so it's take, it takes a little while to, I guess, figure it out. 
um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's yeah, it's, it's some 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 a place I enjoy. I enjoy it for the crowd and all that sort of stuff too. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, like like selection. It's always a difficult one, and I don't want to say too much before it's it's before selections happened as well. But um, but um. I don't know, like all I'm really focused on is just preparing, just trying to get myself in as good a state as I can to play if I'm called upon and um, and I'll take it from there, I guess. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good mindset to have. And like Ashton Turner's sort of said it a couple of times that you're someone who deserves to be playing at this level, um, you know, all the time. Does that give you confidence that, you know, in your role in the squad or, you know, when you are picked, they're picking you for a specific role and they – you know, backing to do the job, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Um, it does give me a bit of confidence. Um, look, I mean, I, I've, I've come away from an off-season. I played in the 100 in the UK as an overseas player. I played in Abu Dhabi most recently and I, I, I sort of surprised myself with my performances there. Um, it was it was really nice to do all there. And then I sort of came back here and, and I, I missed out in the first game. So I guess that's reflective of our the depth in our squad and the, and the, the, squad, the, the talent in our squad. Um, and and yeah, I, I don't know. Like, um, uh, I, I definitely feel like I'm oh, I'm definitely confident in my uh, in my ability to perform at, at the big bash level. I guess it's just um, the Scorchers are you know we, we're a pretty strong team. We've we've won the tournament now four times, and and I don't know. I guess we're we're probably favourites to do it again for a fifth time in a few days' time. So um, I don't know. We'll just like. Just see see what happens with selection. All I'm really focused on is is trying to develop my game whilst I'm here with with the boys and and with the quality coaching staff. Um, and and you know if I'm if I'm constantly looking to improve and, and constantly looking to develop my game, I guess a lot of that stuff takes care of itself naturally. So that's sort of what my focus is at the minute. Um, again, it's always grim to be missing out. Like I hate it. <laughs> Every player hates it. Um, but in saying that, I just want to add value in some way, and and if that's if that's giving good energy when we're at the game, um, doing media when you know other people might not want to do it, or you know staying back and and signing a few more signatures to keep fans happy, so other guys can get in for an early dinner after the game or something like that, then uh, then so be it. Now you mentioned uh, playing the hundred before. It's a pretty wild story. Your English uh, winter last year. Tell us a little bit about that because you started off playing uh, club cricket on a, on a Wednesday, didn't you? I saw your, your tweets uh, in freezing cold conditions. Talk us through you know that experience and and how that all came about. That opportunity to play in the hundred. Yeah, I, I saw what Tim David did where he went over and played club cricket. Um, I think in the Netherlands and he sort of did that in a COVID COVID affected year and then got a gig at, at Surrey off the back of um, obviously good performances in the big bash, but also being um, within sort of, you know, a, a nicer, well, within like an hour's flight from, from London. So um, I guess I wanted to follow that model where I was over in the UK available and ready to play for a county or a hundred or a hundred team whenever the opportunity came up. So um yeah, it, it was it was a bit of a funny one. Um, I was I was set to go uh, play with the London Spirit, um, but then they obviously had a, a changing coach and stuff like that, which which sort of um, yeah changed things for me and, and turned things on their head a little bit. Um, but yeah, thankfully uh, the Overland Invincibles picked me up, and I got my opportunity to play in the hundred at the back end of the English summer. So 
yeah, that was a great opportunity. And off the back of that, I I got a I got a gig in Abu Dhabi playing in the T10s, which which was um, yeah, star-studded competition had um, had a number of, of players. I mean, my team alone, we had like Adil Rashid, uh, Alex Hales, Chris Lynn, James Vince. Um, the list sort of went on. Had so many. I'm probably missing out on a lot of guys, AJ Ty. And, and yeah, anyway, that, that team was, um, was a really strong side. And, and to be able to play in that competition and, and do really well in it was, was something that, yeah, definitely sort of surprised me. But, um, from, yeah, uh, I get, I guess you come back to the big bash and, and in many ways, um, you, you can have done whatever you've done in the, in the Australian winter, but you got to come back and you're, and you're just looking to to perform and have another good big bash against guys you played, or well, pretty much the same guys you played against last year. How'd you find Bali in, in the T10s? Was it uh, a bit different to T20? Because we're saying you know T20s, um, you know spinners have come to the come to the fore in that format. Is it the same for T10 and even more crucial? Yeah, T10s. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult format for for a bowler. It's also a difficult format for the batters too because there's that scoreboard pressure on them from the beginning. Um, yeah, for me, I played a bit of a different role in the T10s uh, to what I do at the Scorchers. I was bowling in the power play and and I was bowling the second over of every game. So that was a slightly different role for me. Um, but I loved it. Um, I've, I've always sort of uh, liked taking on um, big players, I guess, and, and and being in that contest with, with the bigger players going around the world. So that was just another opportunity to do that. Um, and... Yeah, I, I I definitely sort of surprised myself with with um in my time over there. It was um it was really nice to to do well, um have a bit of success in that competition. Now, for those unfamiliar with your sort of journey, can you give us a, a little rundown of um you know how you came to be at the Scorchers? I guess it was only three years ago that you were playing with um, Sunshine Heights, was it in the Victorian Turf Cricket Association? So it's been a pretty um pretty rapid journey for you. Well, it was a bit longer than that. <laughs> okay, we we'll go four or five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, nah, nah, it was. It's been a good journey for me. Um, I never, I never thought I'd be playing professional cricket. If you would ask me five years ago, um, I guess, I guess what happened was I stopped bowling that slow, big turning style of leg spin and just started bowling my my faster, um, faster leg spin with a higher release. So as as that became more and more popular in 2020 cricket, um, I continued developing that. And, uh, yeah, through COVID um, and those COVID-affected years, I sort of got got an opportunity that I otherwise may not have gotten, um, first with the Melbourne Renegades and, and, yeah, after that, I guess, breakout season. There was an opportunity for me to go to the Perth Scorchers um, and, you know, play with a really talented squad. Well, not talented. It's probably the wrong word to use. A really well established um, squad of players who've you know proven themselves in World Cups and and IPLs and all sorts of competitions. So, I guess I took that chance and and took that opportunity. And here I am now, two years later, um, and I feel like a much better cricketer for it. I was listening uh, recently to some audio. You said you've just recently dropped the day job. Is it? Uh, is that happened in the last? little bit or, or is that a while back now yeah it probably happened in in uh april april last year so um yeah i was working at kpmg and and um yeah that that opportunity in the hundred um for yeah first with the london spirit sort of came up so i took that uh took that to my boss at the time and i sort of said oh hey look um you know there's there's a, an opportunity here and in the UK for me and, and I'm going to take it 
Um, it probably means I have to stop working here. But, um, yeah, my boss at the time, Eric Beer and, and Justin Jamison, my two partners at KPMG, were fantastic about it. And, and I just caught up with them recently when I was in Adelaide playing against the Strikers. So, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, at the back end of my cricket career, I can – I can go back to to I guess the corporate world and and sort of resume that uh, my my ambitions and my aspirations there, but you know hopefully that's a long way down the track. <laughs> Fantastic! So obviously no regrets then about doing that. No, no, it's been, been too good a year to uh, to have any regrets about doing that. Um, and I've continued studying, doing my my CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst. Um, I guess it's not a degree. What is it? It's like an accreditation. So um, yeah, I'm doing that, and um, and and that's sort of keeping keeping my um, you know my that's that part of my life ticking, I suppose. What's the after the big bash sort of look like for you? Do you come back to Victoria and and play a bit with with Melbourne Uni and try and push your, your state claims, or is it the proliferation of these you know T20 leagues and T10 leagues open up opportunities to sort of travel after the big bash and, and and look for game time and playing opportunities there, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I guess a lot depends on what competitions I get picked up in. I know the Pakistan Super League, I'm, well, I've, I've been close on a few occasions to get getting picked up in that and, I'm, um, you know, I'm hopeful I can go to, go to that straight after the Big Bash. Um, I know there's there's obviously the Blast in, in the UK, there's 100, so I'll be looking to hopefully do those again. There's... Um, there's uh not that I've done the blast, but I'll be you know hopefully looking looking at doing the hundred again. Um, there's the Caribbean Premier League. Um, there's even stuff in the US going on now. So there's like the US minor league and major league, which I, I think they're still sort of trying to work out the final bits there. But um, yeah, that's sort of um what I've got my eye on at the minute. Um, I'll I'll, I'll play for Melbourne Uni where I can. I enjoy playing for Melbourne Uni, and I enjoy playing club cricket where I can. But um. Uh, yeah, hopefully um, I can push into some of those other T20 competitions around the world. And you know, I know there's a, a T20 World Cup in the uh, in the Caribbean in a few years' time. It'd be lovely to you know be on that be on that tour or whatever with you know alongside guys like Hashin Agar, who I've who I've loved being with here at the Scorchers. You have to get into Adam Crossfates here about that US stuff. He's got a stake in one of those teams, doesn't he? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting actually. I think. I don't know, you're going to have to ask um, him about it, but I've heard rumours of Cricket Victoria putting in some sort of team in the US minor league. Um, you'll have to ask him about it. I don't know too much, but I've just heard rumours. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned um, Ashton Agar. Uh, how's the two years been at the, at the Scorchers, uh, sort of bowling alongside him and, and learning um, sort of the craft of him? Obviously different bowlers, different styles of bowlers, but I imagine you still have similar similar tactics and, and mindset. Yeah, yeah, he's... um. He's a real deep thinker of the game. Um, he's someone I get along with outside of cricket, so um, that's fantastic in itself. And then, yeah, when we're when we're bowling together in the nets or out in a game, I mean, um, yeah, it's it's just great to have a sounding board like that. Someone who's so knowledgeable, someone who's got some so much great experience playing all around the world. Um, yeah, Ash, Ash, I, I really cherish my my relationship with Ash, um, and yeah, I think. I think um, we've we've formed a really good bowling partnership, um, you know, over our time together at the Scorchers. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch him in India now. It should be a really good tournament for him. We've been, or well, I've been calling him Jadeja, um, <laughs> jokingly when he's been training with us this year at the Scorchers. 
And can you t- talk to us a little bit about um, Farwood Armour and the influence he's had on your career as well? You're obviously teammates at Melbourne Uni. Um, I think don't think you were teammates at the Renegades. He was at the Scorchers at the time. Um, but yeah, yeah, sort yeah of- we've, done, we've done the full swap. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone we've swapped twice over. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it's incredible. He's he's someone who I remember seeing him. I've only ever done one private coaching session, and that was with Farad when I was like 14 years old. Um, he was still playing for Hoppers Crossing Cricket Club at that stage. And um, and the one memory I've got of that, that one-on-one session I had with him was that he could spin the ball from um, way down the leg side to off the pitch um, on the other side, on the off side. Um, and, and yeah, Farwad's, uh, you know, he, he, he's had an incredible career. He's, he's still not done yet. Um, who knows what's, you know, what Farwad's got in stall. Um, but uh, he's been a great coach and a great mentor for me over a long period of time now. Um, I remember one pivotal moment for me when I was at Melbourne Uni was when Farwad um, sort of stood at the back of my net um, after I bowled the ball, I walked back to him. He was sort of like, Peter, I think as a blueprint for you, you should just pitch the ball on fourth stump, uh, let your natural angle take it into off stump and, you know, hopefully you get guys get guys um, out doing that. And even even as, as um, even up until that point, I still sort of thought of myself as like that classical leg spin bowler. But, you know, that, that little moment with Farwad in the nets at Melbourne Uni sort of helped me realise that I wasn't quite as conventional as what I thought. And that sort of then spurred on, um, you know, the, the rest of my idiosyncrasies and, and the rest of my whole get up, I guess. But yeah, Farwood's been an incredible, incredible mentor for me, and um, you know, I, I, I cherish my time with him as well. Does that does that bother you at all that you're not the the classical leg spinner, the big looping turner, or do you like sort of being a little bit different and 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 bowling your bowling style being you know um, point of differentiation to other other leg spinners? No, yeah, I I I, uh, I love the way I bowl. I guess. Um, I take a lot of confidence um, out of out of my, um, I guess, uh, obscurity. Um, in that, whenever I'm playing in these new leagues around the world, it takes people a, quite a while to get used to my style of bowling. So I can sort of get away with bad balls almost. So I can get away with a lot that if I was more conventional, I wouldn't be able to do. So um, that gives me a lot of confidence whenever I'm coming up against someone new. Um, and someone who hasn't seen me before. So, um, yeah, it's 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 something that, um, you know, if I was a conventional style of leg spin, I wouldn't be a professional cricketer right now. Um, I guess because because I I embraced sort of the, the differences in my bowling and the obscurity in my bowling, um, I was able to accelerate up the grades of Premier Cricket really quickly and, and sort of, I've, I guess I've had a, a little bit of success in the in the big bash and, and other competitions because of you know my my obscurity. Did you take did it take forward a bit of convincing to you know sort of nudge you down that path, or was it like as soon as you sort of said that you kind of tweaked and you thought, oh yeah, that's that's how I should play and that's that's my style of bowling. Uh, oh, forwards, you know, he he's got. Um, an incredible read on the game. He's got an incredible read on different bowlers and different players. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely no nudging happening from my end. Farwad's sort of like the, the master and I'm the apprentice in many ways. Um, and, and yeah, he sort of sees things in, in my bowling. If I've been away at a different competition for a while, it's, it's always nice to, to sort of reconnect with Farwad at, at the Melbourne Uni Nets or whatever. And he can, 
you know, he really tells me what, what's going on, I guess. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, again, he's been a great, great mentor, a great coach for me. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I want him all to myself. I don't want him to go anywhere else. <laughs> oh, he's, as you, as you mentioned, he's still, uh, he's still kicking around. He's going to be here for a while. We saw him with the renegades as well, bowling as beautiful as ever. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, uh, Peter. Thanks for joining us on the Unplayable Podcast and all the best for Saturday. We hope you get the nod and, and another championship uh, for the Scorchers seconds. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.